Hi guys, I'm Hello everyone. Sil, I'm Sil Gibb and this is my husband Dirk Gibb. Yep. And um, welcome to the first episode of I Heart Murder. This should be a lot of fun. Um, so it's a podcast about murder, obviously, but um, mainly Aussie cases. We will do other cases if you suggest them and we'll have all the links and stuff as you need them. So the first case we're doing is... A case that has stayed with me since year seven in high school. And I thought we would do that with a nice pajama girl. Nice. But first, let's get this out of the way. Um, qualifications. Dirk has a PhD in film, media and cultural studies, so history and stuff like that. And I have I am about just over halfway through my graduate diploma in forensic science. So I know a, quite a bit about murder. I've been obsessed with murder since I was little. Um, Dirk, not so much. And so some of these cases he may have found in passing. I know enough, especially as reflected in popular culture. But uh, as Syl said, she's been um, obsessing over this and researching this and, and reading over these murders for a longer time than I have been. Yeah, and, and some of these murders I I've found through the research for this podcast, but this one is has a little special place in my heart, and so we thought we'd start with that one. Absolutely. So, you ready to get going? I certainly am. Sweet bananas. Excellent. Okay, so, um, we'll start with the finding of the body. Mm-hmm. Okay, and she's called the pyjama girl because she was found in pyjamas. Yellow silk pyjamas. Yellow with, silk pyjamas. With a dragon motif. Okay. Um, which was very in at the, start, at the time, because this was in 1934. Very um, orientalist, um, oriented in terms, of, uh, in terms of fashion. And this being Depression era, uh, there was a, a, a lot of uh, views of uh, pyjamas as being a symbol of uh, chic modernity and um, it had a you know, sex symbol uh, aspect, especially for uh, for women, revealing the leg, accentuating the uh, the top of the body. So that would definitely have added to interest in the case. Yeah, exactly. So the body was found on Saturday, September 1st, 1934, and it was found on Howling Road in Albury, which is on the New South Wales side of the New South Wales, Victoria State border. So Albury, Wodonga. Yeah, Albury's on one side, Wodonga. Albury's on the New South Wales side, Wodonga's on the Victorian side. Border town mystery. Yeah, border town. <laughs> um, and she was found in a culvert um, with a hessian bag over her head. Um, she was burnt and charred all over, so she had been set on fire. Yeah. They think, because the place smelled like kerosene anyway. So. And she had a gaping wound over the eye, and the eye was bashed in. So, um... A lot of rage there. Yeah, and a little bit personal, I think. Mm. Like, you're face-to-face -face with this person. So. Also, really trying to, uh, to to hide the evidence, to obscure the identity from the sounds of it. Well, then why don't you cut her head off? Well, yeah, why just <laughs> stick a hessian bag over the yeah. head when you can just decapitate? But Yeah, but yeah, there is evidence of 
um, trying to hide evidence with the burning and the charring and that. Mm. And the gaping wound, yeah, that would be quite personal because, like, you're face to face with the person. Yes. Okay, so, yeah. Anyway, she had bobbed light brown blonde hair, mm -hmm. um, plucked eyebrows, like, plucked to high heaven, like, 1920s, end of the 1920s, early 1930s, very... Thin plucked eyebrows. Definitely with the with the bob going on, that was the height of fashion. Yeah, and pink nails. Pink nails. Yeah, they made a they made a point of that one. Okay. Pink nails. Um, so she was um, taken to Sydney then, mm -hmm. where she was um, had her teeth moulded and taken yeah. out of her corpse. Like she had um, two molars and a couple of others taken out, and these um, dental records were. Compared to missing persons cases in at the time, they had peop they had like an alert over, especially New South Wales and Victoria, because she was found on the border. Yes. Um, of missing people, and they had like these hordes of people coming in, like my wife's missing, my this is missing, my that is missing, my daughter. Do you know how many uh, missing cases there were to compare the? No, unfortunately, they didn't have a, an actual round number right. for it. They just said that there was a lot. Well, you've got in, to in, in what I've in the research that I found. Well, you've got to consider that at the, the the time, this being the Great Depression, there would have been a lot of internal migration still. People looking for work, hopping the rattlers and whatnot. So that could definitely have um, added to uh, missing persons cases. People well, unsure of whereabouts. Sorry. Um, also, they had a theory that she could have been from the freak shows or the circuses. Ooh. But that didn't pan out because she didn't have any dirt under her nails. Right. So they concluded that she was killed inside and had a home to live in. She wasn't living in these camps. and So she wasn't a nomadic carny or anything like no, that? No, no, no. She okay. wasn't anything like that. So I'm just going to have a sip. I'm okay. sure that would definitely pique the interest of the tabloid press. Oh, yeah. This was Scandal <laughs> City, man. Scandal City. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she was taken to Sydney because um, it was on the New South Wales side of the border. Of course. Um, and so she was embalmed by funeral directors. Mm -hmm. And then how's this? They put her in a zinc-lined bath filled with formalin and put her on display for 10 years. Oh, what? Yeah. So that's kind of robbing um, the deceased of, of dignity. And um, going back to the whole um, theory, uh, seeking to discover where she, whether she was involved in show business or not, the circus, this is just turning her into a, um, a sideshow tourist attraction, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, well, they did it, I suppose, for good intentions, mm. which was to let people come and see her and try to identify her. Okay. Uh, but for 10 years, man. I wonder if the press were kind of um, providing financial uh, and other forms of support to this viewing to kind of keep... Uh, circulation high, keep this okay. case in the public eye. Maybe I didn't see any of that, but um, I I did I do have a um in my little file here, I do have a um a newspaper article from Ooh. 1944, which is when the inquest was. Okay. Um, and this is from the Argus. After. Yeah. Um, from the National Library of Australia. Mm -hmm. So, um. I got some of this information from that, okay. including the formalin that they filled the bath with mm -hmm. could have eroded the cavity filler. 
that was Ooh. in her dental work, which is the main way that they identified her. Oh, that was really not the brightest idea. No, not really. To do, no. No. And so she was kept there for 10 years. And then in 1944, mm -hmm. like you got World War II happening and, yep. and all that, and the change of women's roles in society. Because there's this whole narrative about how she, um, her in that fluid state, was a symbolic of the the fluidity of feminism at that time. And okay. They, they, they got a whole bunch of stuff out of this. Oh, I'm sure they would have. And so, um, after 10 years, 1944, just before, like, the war ended and stuff, yes. um, Police Commissioner McKay, who was the Police Commissioner of New South Wales, obviously. Indeed, yes. Um, he was under pressure to solve the case mm. because there'd been no movement on it for like 10 years or mm. however long it's been, like nine and a half years or whatever. And um, so the case was an embarrassment to the police force because they hadn't solved it. They had, don't have a suspect, nothing. They have nothing. They don't even have the identity of the of victim. <laughs> so they just have nothing. And so, um, also, people were starting to, like, get up in arms about this woman being on display. Like, they found it frightening and garish for well, the time period. Good. I mean, ten years too too late, but better late than never, I suppose. Yeah, there was this one woman who, um, I can't remember her name, I think her name was Gertrude Collins. Um, she took, a, she saw the pyjama girl when she was actually in the bath. Mm-hmm. And then she saw the pyjama girl when she'd been taken out of the bath and all fixed up. Right. And she said it was such a much more pleasant experience to see her when she didn't have a hole in her head. Oh, like the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the death photographs Victorian era brought forward into yeah. the era of World War II. And then she had, like, makeup put on and stuff of what skin was left. I wonder if, um, speaking of uh, dissemination of the corpse of the pyjama girl to the wider public... I wonder if the, the newsreel studios, like Cinesound, if they took any any footage, put uh, her display as part of their um, weekly review of, of current affairs, because that would definitely have expanded the potential audience too if you couldn't get there in person. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't put it past them, but mm. I haven't seen any evidence. Okay. Although there is a movie in 1977 of the Pajama Girl case. What's it called? The Pajama Girl Case. The Pajama Girl Case. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's straight to the point. There's no confusing... Yeah, there's no ambigu ambiguity. Definitely not about what it's about. I must see it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I'd like to see it. See Let's how good it is. See I, I've, I've seen some of the pictures online and it's yeah. kind of like a B-grade horror. Oh, okay. from, from the pictures, but that's also the 1977, like the 1970 aesthetic of movies too. So it could True. be a really good movie. I'm wondering if it's like uh, like Squizzy from five years later, 82, without the musical interludes. I have no idea. <laughs> I've never seen it. Uh, so that's your area of expertise, not mine. Mine is death. Maybe update <laughs> in a later episode. Maybe. What we um, well, we might, we might do Squizzy Taylor later on. Film reviews, nice. Because, like... Australian gangland, come on. Of course. This is like a whole freaking year of, of, um, stories. Yes. Stories there. <laughs> Could not think of it. Okay. okay, so, Police Commissioner McKay was under pressure to get this thing solved and mm -hmm. whatnot. And when they took her out of the bath, 
there was a mistake in the dental records. Oh. Now, what is the chances of there being a mistake in dental records after this, wom this woman has been in formalin, formalin for 10 years? They don't specify what the mistake was. Oh. In all the research, it just says a mistake was found. But no specification. Not that I could find. Oh. I'm not saying it's not there. I just couldn't Damn. find it. Damn, hopefully it is recorded somewhere. Hopefully. So, because of this mistake in the dental records, they were now... The, the body was identified as Linda Ag Ag her Agostini. I keep, keep going to say Agnostini, but there's no way. So, it's Agostini. Linda Agostini. Okay, so... Linda, her husband, Antonio, was questioned when the corpse was actually found 10 years ago. Yeah. But because of the dental records, she was eliminated as a, as a, as a potential for this corpse. Okay. Alright, so, major screw-up there, mm. I must say. Um, but, yeah, so she was eliminated as a possible pajama girl. Mm -hmm. And, get this. Police Mc Commissioner McKay knew Antonio Ag Agostini. How so? What was the connection? Agostini worked as a waiter at a restaurant that McKay frequented to the point that they were like on a first name basis. Right. Okay. Okay. He did like his social life, McKay. He did. <laughs> and so he met with Agostini and got a, in quotation marks, personal confession <laughs> from him. That he killed his wife. Now, this was before all the rights of of innocent until proven guilty, all that stuff. Yes. Which I think it's, I, I I meant to look up what our version of the Miranda rights were, and I still think it's called the Miranda rights, but I'm not sure exactly what our version is. But it's basically the same thing as innocent until proven guilty. You can get a lawyer, that kind of thing. Indeed. This was before all that. Mm. So when I see personal confession. I'm not sure how black and blue Agostini was. Uh, uh, I, got her, yeah, I said it right. Hey, I said it right. You did. Agostini well was when he came out of that room. Mm, I think that's uh, quite suspicious. Definitely uh, raises some some eyebrows. And the police in that era, they were certainly not adverse to uh, uh, obtaining. Uh, testimony and confessions by any means necessary, including brute force. Well, especially when he's under all this pressure to get it solved. Mm. Come on. Bribery, maybe, even? Maybe. Confess to this and, I don't know, we'll let you go home, which mm -hmm. you guys later anyway. So, anywho. Spoiler alert! Uh, so, at the... So, we've gone through the identification of her and all that and mm -hmm. finally got someone. So, what happens next? We go to inquest. The coroner's inquest. Indeed. And there's a butt-ton of complications with this inquest. I'll do tell. Butt-ton! So, Mrs. Rutledge comes up, and she goes, Oh, I think it's my daughter! Okay. And so, and she has a lawyer. Right. Right, so saying that, like, he's... So she's lawyered up. She's lawyered up, and guess what the cops did? What did the cops do? Because this guy's a lawyer, he was allowed to go through all the evidence, all the files, everything they had on his own. Okay. So, and... No second party? No, no. Any, uh, apparently, no. And, um, so, 
this lady saying that the body was falsely identified, that it's her daughter, Anna, uh, Anna Philomena Morgan. Mm-hmm. So, she might have, I don't know what the deal is there. Maybe she was married to have a different last name to her mum or something like that. I don't know. But, Mrs. Rutledge was found to be a bigamist, a fraud, and a possible murderer. Okay. So, her case got just... <laughs> Thrown out. That's quite the uh, the backstory there. Yeah, that, 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 that was an interesting backstory. Yes, and then um, because of all these, her coming up with this story, there were so many other stories that came out, including this sweet old lady saying that um, she knew a, a blonde lady that rode a white horse called Sweet Nell. Sweet Nell. Sweet Nell. Old Drury. <laughs> I was like, dude, dead set. This is like a rural gothic story, man. Okay. Like, like farm gothic. And so this this lady, sweet now, yeah, apparently, got bashed in the head by a man named Ginger. I'm thinking he might have been a ringer. Ginger. Okay. Um, Ginger Meeks, maybe. Maybe with a with an iron doorknob. Okay. So. Just a spare iron doorknob. Just laying around on a farm. Just, yeah. While this lady's riding a horse. Okay. Yeah. So. Lady Godiva with clothes on. Yes. Now, for me personally, and probably for most people, the most damning evidence that this may not be Linda Agostini is the fact that the corpse had brown eyes. Linda had blue eyes. Mm. So, you can't really change the eye colour. No, you really can't. That's a big so, discrepancy we have there. Massive discrepancy. Mm -hmm. But, the final story accepted was that Antonio Agostini killed his wife. And he, the way he explained it, they lived in Melbourne. Mm. Alright? And so, um, and Albury is actually closer to Melbourne than it is to Sydney. Mm, that's it. So, um, but yeah, he he woke, he was asleep, and he woke to her being wildly drunk and holding a gun to his head. Now, why would he bash her in the head if he could have disarmed her and shot her? That definitely seems like overkill. I think so. Like, yeah, sure, you'd be terrified if you saw someone completely wasted. But terrified to the extent of mutilation? I don't know. There's, there was... Um, Linda had said to friends that he had threatened to shoot her and that there was domestic violence beforehand, but there right. was no actual... like Back then, you didn't do anything about it. That's it, yeah. Like, you just put up with it. Kind it was of thing. socially um, accepted or just um, acknowledged... But uh, not uh, not interrogated, no, or called out, no. And her, fr her her male friend did say, "Do you want me to check this out? Have a chat to him, whatever." And she said, "No, it'd be too much trouble." And that was only a couple of weeks before she died. Right. So, sure, you could disarm someone by hitting them in the head, uh, but honestly, if you had a gun, why wouldn't you shoot them? And um, he didn't say how he got the, the body to Albury either. 
And there's no mention of him having a car or anything. So okay. he might have had a car. I don't know. But he was a waiter. So not sure if he'd have the money. That that kind of. I, I don't know that time period well enough. I That's think where you come in. He would <laughs> probably have. Uh, by this stage in, in, in the 30s, there had been more car production plants, even from. Um, even from overseas manufacturers such as Ford opening up, making more cars to try and bring uh, cars within the reach of um, yeah, yeah, everyday person in the street. But uh, I, I think on a waiter's uh, wage, you'd still have had to uh, save up for quite a bit. But maybe he knew someone with a car. Maybe it was maybe, maybe the body was transported by by horse. Mm-hmm. Horses were still yeah, yeah in quite common usage at the time. Yeah. Also, McKay, again, again, sticking his nose in, mm-hmm. and this is where I kind of get the fact that this personal confession might have been coerced in some way, mm-hmm. was that he said that the Agassinis both worked as housekeepers and, and, and caretakers and that of, at like this bread and breakfast business out in the sticks, right? Like okay. near Aubrey. Yeah. And he said that Linda went missing. And, and that... He doesn't understand why they said that, like, why they didn't say that she went missing, but she went missing on, like, the 27th of August, which is when they reckoned she was killed. Mm. So, um, again, putting it back in, in, um, into Antonio's lap that he did it. Right. Um, so, um, he states, Antonio states that the reason why they moved from Sydney to Melbourne after they got married was that, um... Linda was having trouble settling down and, and, okay. and like being like the proper wife. Right. Right. She was out partying. She was known as a jazz age party. Oh, uh, so and try and curb the independence of the liberated woman to fit this yeah, patriarchal idea of the perfect uh, d- domestic obedient goddess. Well, now that she was married, she wasn't supposed to be going out and partying. She was supposed to be at home making him dinner, that kind of thing. Being the perfect helpmate and all yeah. that. Yeah. Right. And not right. entertaining attractive young men. Right. Which is what she was doing, apparently. So. Yes, with her, with her bobbed hair and whatnot. Yeah, and plucked eyebrows and, and well-kept to do. Yeah, well, and there's moral panic right there. Yeah, exactly. For the main thing was, of the time. There was massive, massive... Um, moral panic about the morals of women back then. Absolutely. Um, and because of those women, we're at the stage now that women are like we are now. Mm. So we have that opportunity to have independence and that for the most part. Oh, pickle, sorry. Sorry. Right. I just broke it. Um, so yeah, he removed her from Sydney to remove her from the influence of her friends. But that apparently didn't stop her from going out and getting drunk. Yeah. According to Agostini. According to her friends, though, there was a completely different story. Okay. She was completely opposite of what he's saying that she was. Right. Once she went down the road. Okay. So she was, like, at home. She was making the dinner. She was doing what she was supposed to do as a good little wife. Hmm. So, um... Anyway, so he... He admitted in the court, but he was actually found not guilty of murder. Okay. He was found guilty of manslaughter. Right. And he got a six-year sentence. That definitely smells like a miscarriage of justice to me. He only served four. Oh, that old bugbear of no truth in sentencing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, was it good behaviour or...? Probably, yeah. Right. But after that, he was deported back to Italy. 
I'm just thinking because at this stage, and yet you, you had it until um, really it was um, finally dis dismantled by the Whitlam government, the white Australia policy. Yeah. And even um, though, though the, the, the title was a white Australia policy, uh, immigration policy uh, was still uh, prioritised the, uh, the immigration of uh, people of uh, Anglo-Saxon, Anglo-Irish descent, uh, Britons, to become Australian Britons. So people Assume. from the continent. Sorry, go. That's all right. Especially Italians. Um, there was all of this uh, mis misju misjudgment and all these stereotypes and moral panic about those who were still, who were in the community. So that probably would have played a part in the press around it. What do you think about it? a white Australian woman married to an Italian as well? Mm. So, like, maybe they were trying to pin it on the Italian. Quite possibly. Like, yeah. he was a, sca uh, a scapegoat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he ended up getting remarried, and mm. he died in 1960. Okay. So, he didn't claim Linda's body. He just left it. Didn't claim it. Right. So she was buried and laid to rest with journalists as her pallbearers. Only the press. And, oh. and the only curious people to witness it. There was no, like, mourners. Oh. There was just, like, curious rubberneckers. Sad. It's really That's sad. really sad. It's really, really sad. Like, it is. It truly is. Just abandonment of, of, of the body and, and, and laid to, to rest... Um, the continuation of the uh, of, of the spectacle of the sideshow attraction, even unto burial. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sorry, I'm just double checking when she no, was actually right. born. I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. She, so she was born in East London. Oh. So she was a Londoner, and then she went to New Zealand, and then she came to Australia. Okay. Yeah, and so she was born in 12th of September. So this is just just before her birthday. That she was found. Twelfth uh, of September, nineteen oh five. Nineteen oh five. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't math right now. <laughs> so she was going on on thirty. Yeah. She she was in like nineteen thirty four. Yeah. She was she was twenty eight when yeah. she died. So she was young. Like I'm only ten years older than that, and so I just still feel young. Fair bit of <laughs> Antipodean uh, travel. But back then, that wasn't young. Australia. Like, they'd see someone at 28, oh, you should be settled down, you should have three kids and a husband and a wife. Oh, the whole spinster and... archetype. For yeah, and even though she was married. Woman. Yeah. She got married at 24. Mm. So, she should have been settled down, she should have been having kids, she shouldn't be out partying, she should be doing this kind of thing. Although, that's, you... that's, That was the expectation back then, wasn't it? Oh, in amongst a lot of mainstream society, absolutely. Especially if you had this conservative um, opposition to symbols of modernity, such as uh, jazz and women going out and drinking and, and smoking. Uh, and, wearing and wearing pyjamas. And wearing pyjamas too. <laughs> but Melbourne had um, just as um, active uh, legal and illicit nightlife as Sydney did. So it's interesting, the... Uh, the mentality of uh, r removing uh, this uh, this this young independent um, partying uh, woman, according to the testimony, uh, from from one city to another city. Maybe his logic was that she didn't know anyone. 
Well, that's, you know, you lose those those personal bonds, connections too. Like your contacts? Yeah. Your um, circle of friends, okay. Yeah, and I also maybe like um, better job prospects there. Mm. So maybe that was his reasoning. Yeah. And there was, uh, there was a sizable um, immigrant community generally, and Italian specifically, uh, during that period as well. Yeah. Yeah. In Victoria, Melbourne, Victoria. Yeah, but you think about it, that's that's like during Squeezy Taylor and all that. Yeah, a, a, a little after. A little after, a little but after still Squeezie in Taylor. that like gangland. But Melbourne was the centre of gang activity from the early 20s through to now. Or even before. Yeah, you still had um, uh, urban gangland violence. You still had um, 6 o'clock closing and, um, and sly grog shops, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but when, but also, like, it was the Depression slash end of the Depression mm. in 1934, and so, like, maybe, maybe he thought the bigger city would be better for them in that case, if, like, taking her out of Sydney, but taking her to another big city. Yes. Yeah, so, we won't know because he's dead. Yes. So, um... And there's only so far that the, uh, the records and correspondence, etc. go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's only so much. And even though this is quite a big case in Australia, there's not actually that much information about it. Like, there's there's a decent amount. Like, yeah. But it's not like... It's not like really in-depth. Has there been much uh, scholarly writing? Yeah, one, like... one of the journal... One of my um, pieces... One of my articles in here is actually a journal from... Um, the Journal of Australian Studies. Yeah. 2009, even. Okay. By Sue Doyle. So, um, it's just called The Pajama Girl. So, okay. Which is quite funny because it's, um, it's produced by, published by Rutledge. <laughs> like, this is Rutledge. Ah, uh, claimed the that the daughter was falsely, the body was falsely identified. Any, any books on the case? Probably. I haven't seen any. Okay. But, um, there probably is. Or at least, um... Do you think there would be at least one? Chapters in books. Oh, maybe. yeah, 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 in edited volumes and whatnot. Yeah, well, yeah, there was definitely one in my history textbook in Year 7. Yeah. And so, but why is this still a mystery? Why is someone who's living in 2020 still interested in what happened almost 100 years ago? The possibility of that it wasn't her mm. is a big one. And, and that's quite a valid fact in the fact that the corpse's eyes were brown and Linda's was reportedly to be blue. Now, there's no... Um, I haven't got any um, colour photos of her. Mm. They're all black and white. But her eyes actually look pretty dark. Like... Like, they look pretty dark. They are pretty dark. If you're looking, if you're watching the YouTube, there's a photo on the YouTube. Yes. Of, um, Linda Agostini's picture versus the corpse. Yeah, you can you can tell even through the black and white, which was the norm at the time for mm. photography. Yeah. And as there is a um, forensic technique called um, photo photo deposition or disposition. I'm not entirely sure of the mm -hmm. actual name of it. But basically, what happens is you get a photo. Um, of like a corpse and you put it up against a photo of who you think it might be mm -hmm. and, and and you compare like bone structures and, and stuff that doesn't change right like right. where the nose is like 
your nose is a different measurement than my nose. Mm. And um, the, they're pretty unique to people. Like the, the space between your eyes, like your actual head size and stuff like that. And looking at that photo that I just put on the YouTube video of this, mm. they're pretty damn similar. Mm. The corpse and the picture of Linda Agostini. I can definitely see they look the similarity pretty there. damn close. And I could see why they would identify it as her, but if it's true about the eyes, then it's not her. Plain yeah. and simple. If Linda had blue eyes and the corpse has brown eyes, it's not her. That's the unavoidable difference, really, mm. that you've got to take into account. Yeah. And like back then, they didn't have DNA, that kind of thing. Um, fingerprints were just coming in. Like, yeah. as, a, as a forensic technique. Only been in for a few decades, really. Yeah, it was, it was baby science. Mm. Um, still had plenty of ways to go. Um, and on the basis of that misidentification, so many stories are of who she could be. Mm. And then on that basis, was the right guy convicted? Yes. And if not, what happened and who killed her? Mm. So, who is she? You don't you don't answer the questions that you normally answer in a case. You don't know the who. You don't know the why. You don't know the what. You don't know the how, really. Was somebody or some persons involved that were in uh, organised crime or prominent in society or maybe even in the force? So there's an element mm. of hush-hush. Well... One of the theories was that it could have been gangland, that she mm. could have um, seen too much, like at a party or something like that. She or could a have raid seen, or something. Yeah, yeah, she could have seen too much and knew too much, and so yeah. she was taken out. Um, but if it's not Linda, then who is it? Mm. And you won't know that. It's going to forever be a mystery. Yeah. Um, could it have been Mrs. Rutledge's daughter, mm. Anna Philomena Morgan, even though Mrs. Rutledge had a very pretty past. Yes. Coloured <laughs> past. Very colourful. That doesn't mean it couldn't be her daughter. Mm. It, um, so, it could be... Anna Philomena Morgan is the biggest um, option that people say that it could have been. Mm. But there are so many stories. What about Sweet Now? Indeed. With the horsey. Yeah. Yeah, With so... The horse get to. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the glue factory. <laughs> Dog meat. Oh no, wait, it was nineteen thirty four. Could have just been served off the kids. Could have been. <laughs> so, well you, you, you took what you could. Yeah, yeah, what you for could. nourishment during the depression years. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that's the story of the pajama girl and all the craziness. I'll uh, say. That is involved in it. That was quite an eye-opening, very engrossing, and yeah, quite quite disturbing case, Sil. Yeah. Thanks oh, for recounting it to us. <laughs> There's more to come. <laughs> so, um, you'd heard of the Pajama Girl, yeah? Yeah, I certainly had. What had you heard before this? I had heard that it was uh, in 1934, and it was uh, a, a young woman, uh, Still in her in her twenties, uh, who was whose corpse was discovered, uh, and there was mutilation involved, and uh, the the identity, although there were uh, 
quite a few leads was uh, was never was never proven. I was not aware that it was a uh, a border town case that it was oh, Aubrey Wodonga. I, I thought that it was uh, more inland within New South Wales on the outskirts of Sydney, if not in Sydney, Sydney proper. Mm. So that was um, one of the uh, interesting uh, new additions to my knowledge what other, about the case what today. Else did you just about um, McKay's involvement. And uh, did you know he had his little fingers in the pie as much as he did? Uh, n not specifically, but considering what I know about um, McKay's uh, tenure uh, in the force over the uh, over the early decades of the 20th century, it's not really surprising <laughs> to me to find out. Was he a little bit on the on the down low? Oh, certainly. Yes. I don't know whether you're planning uh, in future episodes to deal with uh, any of the prominent personalities of the uh, the underworld in Sydney during the 20s no, and 30s. I, I'm tossing up. I'm tossing up doing like a gangland series. You, you do. I've definitely got some stories for you that I came across in my research. And um, Agostini's um, confession, whether it was um, coerced. coerced or not, uh, and all the, uh, the 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 display of her her body for for oh. a decade. Uh, I get the. the I, I have I have no problems really with heebie-jeebie stuff, but that gave me the heebie-jeebies a little bit when I read about it. I was just like, ew. I was just half expecting you to say she was buried in a pauper's grave or something. Well, she did end up doing that, but for 10 years she was on display. People could see everything. and You, you still know, had that thing. Yeah, yeah. And that was just, That's just nasty. Voyeuristic to a degree. Yeah. And yes, very, very nasty. Look, you, you think about, oh, what are those people, the, the, the rich, stupid people from... Um, rich, stupid people. You know the well, dictator in the Philippines? Oh, His wife likes Jews. Yeah, him. Yeah. Him being on display, I had no real problem with. Like, I have no problems with people being on display, really. But when... It's a common funeral tradition. Yeah, but then... She's in a bath. Full of this liquid, just laying there. And it's in the context. It's and, in the context. And... Unidentified murder victim. When I was listening to... When I was reading the article, the the journal article, and it said that, that Gertrude Collins lady had a look at her, mm -hmm. they made a point of saying that she was under a sheet when she was taken out. So, the theory and the, the thought is that she was laying there naked in yeah. that bath. Like, come on. That's... There's something really unsavory about that. Yeah. And like being on display like that, come on, the girl's got some dignity. Give her give her peace. Let yeah. her like she's, rest in peace. She's been through hell, obviously. Yeah, obviously. The last thing she needs is to be put buck naked on display in front of strangers for for fun. Because it's 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 a, a train wreck or, 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 or a car wreck after the fact. You yeah. can't look away. Yeah. yeah. They, they made a death mask of her. Put her away. Show people the death mask. Yeah. For identification. Like, don't leave her out. I mean... Give her dignity and... and She's a victim of a violent crime. Every victim should be treated with respect and compassion and dignity. So various 19th century bushrangers in New South Wales, like Ed pretty Kelly. much 
Yeah. Who was um, in Victoria, actually, but... That's, that's, that's true. Um, he yeah. had a death mask. I've seen his death mask. We saw his death mask. We did indeed, when we went to the State Library of Victoria. I'm yeah. just thinking... Sorry, um, I, I interrupted your train. That's okay. Mild, I, I honestly cannot remember whether their exploits uh, took them up north to New South Wales. I don't Not Ned so. Kelly, no. No, Ned Kelly's... But we had our own bush rangers. We, had we certainly did. And, and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and honestly, I should have remembered that because the, the Kelly gang is the um, is the case study that I'm, I'm talking about. When After they'd been, been shot, there were photographs taken of their propped-up corpses. Mm. But death masks were made as, as well... And, and that was the extent of their public... They weren't toured around. They weren't put in a bath with... To my knowledge. They weren't put in a bath of formalin to be put on display in a university for 10 years. For paying audiences, yeah. Like, I get them taking photos of, like, famous criminals mm. to say, oh, look, we got him. Yeah. Or we got them. Whatever. And after Ned Kelly was hanged... I might do a Ned Kelly one too. After Ned Kelly was hanged, they did a death mask and everything. And as we said, we've seen that. Mm-hmm. As we've seen his armour and stuff. Exactly. Which is like freaking amazing. The original Iron Man. Yeah, I love it when, <laughs> when libraries and museums, when they preserve such things. Yeah, well, with. massive part of Australian history. Mm-hmm. But I get them taking photos and putting them on the front page and stuff like that. They didn't sit their bodies on display for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It makes me sad. Makes me sad too. It sure makes me makes sad, sad that she went through that after she went through such a a violent death and and dumping, basically. Like she was just trying to have fun. She was. Like but... I'm not saying that Antonio Agostini is was definitely who killed her and that she was definitely Linda Agostini, but if she was Linda Agostini like, she was just having fun. Divorce her. Yeah. Like, move away. Be separate from each other if divorce isn't but the thing. But it's toxic masculinity and this super sensitive um, reaction towards perceived um, shame. Yeah, true. Yeah. Emasculation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Public ridicule, etc., etc. Yeah. Well, as yeah. I said, you know more about that culture than I do. I know a bit about the 1920s, you, you, but... You know enough. You know more than me. Cultural clashes within a domestic relationship. Just very, well, very sad all around. Domestic violence and stuff like that. Up until, I think, the 80s, you could force yourself on your wife. Oh, yeah. There was no um, rape in marriage in the eyes of the law, in my understanding, until 1981. Now I cannot remember whether that was a, a a federal or a or state New South Wales maybe ruling, but yeah, the early 80s. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew it was like the late 70s, early 80s. Um, but yeah, you still even now during the the pandemic, people are concerned about women that are left alone with violent partners. Mm. Like, and this is a hundred years after this. Almost. Getting on, yeah. Like, 90 years after this, and we've still got problems with domestic violence and toxic toxic masculinity. It's a very disgusting state of affairs. It is. But hopefully we are, we are making steps. We are. Painfully slow steps, but mm-hmm. we are making steps. At least now I can drive and have a bank account. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
yeah, that's where we're at. And that's where um, we're at. Any questions or anything that you want to ask me that I haven't covered or um, anything like that? I would be very interested to to know if any such as I don't think uh, McKay specifically wrote um, wrote his memoirs. I could be wrong about that. I'd be interested to know. But if anybody who was involved in this case uh, wrote about it. Their personal experiences, yeah, or I, and whatnot. I would like to do more research on it. It's just I really didn't have time, and um, there wasn't a lot. Like I, I, can't, I can't get to libraries at the moment and stuff like that. So yeah, and um, d digital repositories, you know, they only go so far. Well, that's where I got the journal article from, and um, the newspaper article. And that's an awesome collection of documents you've got there, so. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. It, gave, it gave the brief outline that I wanted to give. Like, if I want yeah. to go into how um, her death um, symbolised feminine fluidity at the time and stuff like that, like, that's a whole different thing. Mm. That's not this podcast. <laughs> I can't think of any other questions, but I definitely know what I'm going to do after this. I'm going to see if I can <laughs> find the Pajama Girl film from the 70s. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah maybe we can sit and watch it on our date night. Absolutely. Sweet. Sounds great. All right, guys. Well, this is Syl and Dirk saying bye. Thank and... you all so much for listening and watching. Yep, what he said. And, <laughs> and on the YouTube video, I'll have links to all our social media, and I will have links next week to all our social media i haven't put them up just yet hooray so i'm film. i'm recording this on monday i'm getting all the um social media done on tuesday mm. and then this goes up on wednesday so we'll try and keep we'll, to that schedule as much as possible but yeah we'll try and keep to that schedule as much as possible um but yeah we'll see we might Absolutely. even we might even do a couple that are like um in advance or something but yeah that's what we're doing so we'll say See you later. Farewell till next time. And um, keep your murder obsession going. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll talk to you all later. Talk Bye. to you later. Bye.